Great, thanks Mike. Might be uh, up a bit. Hey, my welcome to everyone. We are a bit loud. I can't do anything this end. It's all got to happen over there, so uh, that's good. Uh, welcome to everyone. I'm John. It's good you're here. And uh, I vaguely remember the gingerbread antics going similarly a few years ago. But uh, anyway, it's good. And welcome, Marion. It's good to have you along uh, as well. Uh, like, similarly to Colin, um, Gideon and I had a bit of a chat about things as well as we are responding to God's grace, uh, thinking about uh, next year and the finances and uh, just for your encouragement as well, we've sort of sorted out our gift, uh, if you like, in response to helping to bring down that uh, deficit and also just um, something I learned off of Paul Harrington, my boss, is every year they you know, try to work out how they can increase their giving in response to God's grace. So that's just something we continue to wrestle with every year and uh, just commend that uh, to you. Uh, what don't I pray? Uh, we're going to get it, uh, look at just the end of chapter 20 and the beginning of chapter 21. Uh, and we're going to drill down a bit more on some of the magnificent um, truths uh, at the back end of 21 and uh, the end of uh, 22 next week. So please pray. Keep your Bibles open there as we, uh, we do get into things. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much uh, for your immeasurable grace toward us in Jesus. Uh, and a big part of that, Father, is, is the gift of Scripture. Uh, And so, Father, thank you that in the Bible we have uh, uh, all that we need, uh, every word we need from you uh, to understand and know you well. Uh, And, Father, uh, to live well uh, as we wait for your son's return. So please lead us into the truth, uh, the goodness, the grace and the glory of your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our four words from a 14-year-old girl... Please freeze my body. Please freeze my body. I don't know if you picked up on this story. It's a story out of England. The instructions of this 14-year-old girl whose names needed to remain suppressed. Her words were to Peter Jackson, a high court judge in England. They were desperate and they were direct. Please freeze my body. Her divorced parents, you see, they disagreed. Uh, and what should happen to her body once she died. Uh, She's sadly uh, struck down with a very rare form of cancer uh, and days away from death uh, from her bed. Um, Video linked to the High Court in England pleading for her body to be allowed to be frozen. Why? Uh, Because her great hope, her great belief was that in the future, science would find a cure for this rare cancer, even if it was hundreds of years away, uh, that in the future, someday, she would be able to be thawed, resuscitated, uh, cured of her cancer, uh, and live a longer life. She just wanted to have a chance at living a longer life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read stories like this, it really gets my heartstrings, pulls on my heartstrings, um, as you think about your own kids. Uh, Kids dying before your parents, there's just something phenomenally uh, unnatural about that isn't it Uh, stories like this but they also get me thinking uh, I guess they sift me uh, as you think about gee you know what would I do if if one of my children was was struck down uh, like this and I wonder uh, how a story like that affects you what about you see nothing uh, searches us out or sifts our belief does it uh, than when we're sort of um, threatened by the reality of death, us or, or loved ones. And, you know, you can be confronted when you least expect it. Uh, it's happened to me a few times, uh, very unexpectedly on the side of the road. 
Uh, earlier this year, uh, Sherelle next door, some of the staff at the YMCA suddenly found themselves out on the front of the pavement uh, because a man a bit older than me uh, had collapsed uh, while riding his cycle, uh, bicycle out the front. And when things like this happen, um, it just naturally sort of confronts you, it shakes you up. Uh, the Bible reinforces what we all know to be true, uh, that we, just, we live every day in God's waiting room, every day in the shadow of death. Uh, and so, for example, the milk we drink, the bed we dry, uh, the, the bread we, we buy, in fact, anything these days, even, I don't know how they do it, the stickers on fresh fruit, you know, it all comes with those little stickers or stamps, you know, best used before, best used before. Now, the truth is, uh, we live, we hope, uh, that our best used before date is around that 70 to 80 year mark. Uh, we live believing that to be the case. Of course the truth is and we know this don't we we just don't know uh, when our best used before date is going to expire uh, we just don't know what's around tomorrow's uh, t- tomorrow or the next day what's going to confront us and similarly for our loved ones similarly for the people that God has us living with working with just hanging out with um, we just don't know Now, as Collins helpfully already mentioned, uh, this last word from the risen Jesus in Revelation, um, it's, I was trying to think of a good example, it's sort of like God's Barocca, uh, if you like, um, or if you're into Red Bull, uh, you know, to sort of really re-energise a faith in Jesus Christ, to sort of really uh, wake us up, uh, make us alert, to keep us focused on Jesus, to help us get all safely home to Jesus, where we all belong. Uh, Revelation, as we've been saying these last weeks, it's more of a picture book uh, than a puzzle book, uh, like a stack of pancakes. It's, um, it, the message of Revelation is really not very complicated. Um, it's, it's like, you know, God's ultimate compilation album, a collection of all of the great promises that God's ever made in the Bible and how Jesus' death and resurrection fulfills them. Uh, it's given by Jesus to the Apostle John, And it's to help readers of Revelation uh, to know the blessings, every spiritual blessing we can have in Christ. Uh, It's to help us to see all the stunning implications of Jesus' death and resurrection, that victory in the cross. Uh, Not just for for Christians, but for everyone, for all people and powers who are for Jesus and against Jesus. Um, If you've seen the movie Fifty First Dates, uh, you know that just gets replayed over and over again. Uh, that same day um, the risen Jesus in, in Revelation he's replaying over and over again the one history between Jesus first and the second coming to show us if you like you know the top 50 ways that God loves us the top 50 ways that in Jesus cross and resurrection that we, we actually have the victory that Jesus has already won the top 50 ways why nothing in this world can separate a Christian a believer from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so this book, these last words and these last chapters definitely, it's God's last ditch effort, his last invitation uh, for readers uh, to come to Jesus, uh, for those who have come to keep coming Jesus, to make sure that we are part of his new heavens and earth, which we just um, heard right out. Uh, a reasonably unimaginative um, outline there, uh, do you believe? Um, and I think a p- 
passages like this, like all scripture, they sift us and they keep asking us, well, yeah, what do I believe? Do I agree with that or don't I? What do I think about that? Do I believe? And so if you look with me just at the end of chapter 20 there from verse 11, uh, my first question is this, I think that we're being asked, do you believe a judgment day is coming when Jesus returns? Do you believe a judgment day is coming with Jesus' return? Now, we're not talking about a nuclear Armageddon, uh, you know, with Arnie as a Terminator and all this sort of stuff. No, it's do you believe uh, that with Jesus' return, an ultimate moment of truth is coming for you, uh, the person sitting next to you, and in fact, coming for every human being? Have a look with me, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. So we've got books open, we've got a great white throne. It's um, this, this day that is coming. It's, the Bible calls it the day of the Lord. It's everywhere in the Bible. Uh, the day when God judges, the final judgment, uh, where all will be disclosed, all will be revealed. Uh, and there's a sorting. And, of course, Jesus talks about this. You can read about it in the Gospels. So, for example, uh, Jesus said that this resurrection day of judgment, it'll, it'll be like the sifting of wheat from weeds. Uh, it, it'll be like uh, separating a good fish from bad fish, uh, like separating of sheep from goats. And so we get to the end of the Bible, we get to the end of Revelation. We shouldn't be surprised uh, that this day is front and centre, that this, this vision of a, of a great throne, a great white throne. Um, I reckon this, this passage here, uh, is, it, try drawing it yourself. It's, it's really quite uh, stunning to try and draw it out for yourself. It reminds us of what we've already been told from chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, isn't it? Where a great throne dominates heaven. It dominates the picture here and it's white because of the purity, because of the splendour of the one who is sitting on this throne. And of course, it must be Jesus, the Lamb of God in the midst of this throne, because John records that Jesus himself said this in his gospel, that the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And so it must be this Jesus uh, before whom every human being will appear and will be sifted. So awesome is God the Son on his throne. Uh, earth and sky, they flee. They run away from this throne. Um, all that will matter with Jesus' return is this judgment and what this judge says about you and me and people. Uh, it's all that's going to matter. John also sees what? We're told human beings standing before this throne. In fact, he sees every human being who's ever lived and died, raised for life, believer and unbeliever, everyone raised and standing before this throne, this Jesus. Have a look with me, verses 13 and 14. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Don't know what the biggest library you've ever been in. Uh, this is a symbolic library, if you like. 
Uh, it's a Judgment Day library. It's huge uh, and it's full of one sort of book, uh, record books. Uh, so everything that John Warner has ever said or done is in a book with my name on it. Everything that Colin has ever said or done or thought, book with his name on it. I don't know how that makes you feel. You can insert your own name. The books are symbolic, if you like, of God's all-seeing, all-knowing memory. As Jesus teaches in Luke's Gospel, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. It's everywhere in Scripture. Now, how do you think you're going to fare on this day? How do you feel about this day? Um, I think it's really important. We, we all know we live in a world uh, that we, we need and, uh, and, and long, in fact, for a day like this, uh, where real and true justice will be done once and for all. Now, I don't know about you, but the record book with my name on it uh, it's going to be one of the fattest in the library. Um, and I just know that I'm stuffed. Uh, if I'm planning on turning up, standing before Jesus and holding out my record book and say, you know, mate, this should, this should cut it, this should be all right, this should do it. I mean, I know how massively I've struggled to love God. I mean, let alone love my wife or, you know, let alone my neighbour or my kids and, and people like that. And I suspect I'm not the only one who knows this here this morning. You know, we all know that, you know, based on God's pure and holy standard of love, that we all fall short. We're all deserving of God's condemnation. And so is there any hope? Well, as we've been reminding ourselves over and over again every week, yes, there is. And praise God, there's, there's an amazing hope. And so Jesus said from John chapter 3, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Again from Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Of course, this is the gospel. This is the great news of the gospel. For those who believe, no condemnation now or in the future, ever, from God. Jesus the judge, he's also Jesus the saviour. He's come into a world full of humanity that is already under judgment, that is already condemned. He's come because of God's love to save, to redeem, to bring people into a, a, a new place relationship with God where there is no condemnation. And this day of the Lord, I uh, had a great Q&A um, with um, a lot of the uh, own, the young adults on Wednesday night, and we just sort of revisited this, that all through the Bible uh, talks about this day of the Lord, this final day of the Lord. And of course, it's this day at the end of history when Jesus returns. And what the cross is, when Jesus dies on the cross, it's God taking that judgment that we all deserve at the end of history and putting it on his son in history. All of God's wrath poured out on Jesus in history when he dies. And he's there dying a death, the wage of sin, 
that you and I deserve. For any who believe in him, any who will come and trust into him, he dies that we might be forgiven all of our sin, that we might live no condemnation, live now knowing that that future day of judgment for people trusting in Jesus has been taken care of. Uh, I, I quite like reading uh, biographies. One of the better ones I've read this year um, is uh, this one by uh, Bomber Thompson, The Whole Story. Um, it's colourful, it's in your face, it's direct, and of course, um, uh, full of a lot of um, stuff about his, his victories in footy. But uh, I got halfway through this, and, and I never knew this about Bomber Thompson, that um, he lived in Melbourne when he was coaching down at Geelong and would travel down. And because of the travel, because of the hours he spent trying to win a premiership with Geelong, it cost him his marriage. I never knew that. Now, he's remarried now. But it's sort of what, you know, books like this are. They're sort of an autobiography, you know, my life. I don't know if you're ever going to write an autobiography on your life and turn up and, hey, Jesus, here it is, my life. What happens when someone comes a, becomes a Christian? Uh, and if Bomber Thompson decided to become a Christian and put his trust in Jesus, is what happens when you become a Christian? Is the victory of the Lamb, this is just a commentary on Revelation, okay, but the victory of the Lamb, the triumph of the Lamb, uh, is a great exchange, you see. All of Bomber's unrighteousness, if you like, is put onto Jesus. And all of Jesus' victory, all of his righteousness, he credits. He would credit to Bomber. He, he credits to whoever becomes a Christian. This is a great exchange. All my unrighteousness on Jesus, all of his righteousness credited to me. It's this beautiful exchange that happens when you become a Christian and happens because of Jesus' death for our sin. Now just come back with me to the passage. The reason I've explained this is because we heard that amongst all of these books in God's library, there's another book, one book. It's a very different book, isn't it? It's a book of names. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Uh, verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in to the lake of fire. See, this book is not a book of deeds. It's a book of names. People who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. The fire, the outer darkness, the second death. This is a finality here, isn't there? And Jesus' verdict. And it uh, helps us understand that uh, yours and my mortal death, the first death, it's actually temporary. Because everyone is going to be raised to judgment on this day. Anyone who turns up without faith in Jesus will not find their name in this book of life. Christ died for the sins of the whole world under God's condemnation and sadly not all will believe the gospel as we've been uh, seeing uh, recently these weeks. Uh, for these, condemnation and this second permanent irreversible death. Uh, so much more distressing than the first death. 
So how do you get your name in the book of life? See, understanding this reality, it, for me, it just said, far out. I just, what have I got to do to get my name in the book of life? How, how do I make sure? How do I make sure that my name is in this book? Well, it's not by trusting in what you've done, but by trusting in Jesus and all that he's done for you. And now this is hard stuff. This is hard stuff. But this is just God being God. God being transparent. Uh, We know that God is like this. He's holy and just and righteous. He's more loving and merciful than we can ever know. And here is God's character working itself out in history exactly as it should. Now for any of us here who have remained, if you like, non-committal up until today... Uh, maybe you haven't thought much about this. Maybe you've put it on the back burner. Maybe you're not sure where you're at. But friends, surely here in this passage, Jesus is giving all of us the motivation we need uh, to do a shoney, what Shoni did last week, where she made that public declaration, was baptised. I'm a Christian. I've entrusted my future to Jesus. To do what Jen is going to be doing this afternoon at 4.30 down the beach. Uh, and we'll be hearing her declaration tonight at TBE. That is, I think this passage is saying, friend, please, please, become a Christian before your best used before date expires. Now that's the, uh, the longest point. The other two we're going to get through a little bit quickly. But it brings us to that second, do you believe? Uh, do you believe a better future is coming with Jesus' return? Do you believe a better future is coming? With Jesus' return, let's just remind us of some of the the splendour of of, uh, of this vision that John saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them." They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Like, wow. I mean, try and wrap your mind around that. There's a whole tapestry of massive themes and, and from the Bible weaved into this picture. A new heaven and earth. Everything is new, reborn. It's, it's sort of like Jesus' resurrection body. It'll be related to the old, but completely different. Uh, everything about the old it's of, of this age is, is, is come through the fire. It's, um, it's, it's been cleansed. And I was trying to work out, how do you illustrate a passage like this? I mean, seriously. Well, here's where I got to. Uh, I think we'll do it by contrasts. That is, doesn't this paint a picture where there are just no D's, no D words, no death, and none of that horrible distress we feel because of death? Of course, this week we, um, there was a cruel pain of Joshua and Misty Mason uh, just down south who sadly and tragically lost their, their, their son, William, to, to a meningococcal infection. It, it happened in hours they couldn't save him, had to turn off the ventilator. It's horrible. Uh, this future, no disease. And I'm sorry if you're a doctor here, but you are going to be out of work. I'm sorry. 
And just imagine what I'm pumped about is no more fad diets. How cool is that going to be? You know, I, I can stop taking that fish oil I take every morning. Wow, no need for fish oil. Woohoo! I mean, it's because it's going to be, you know, no test for cancer. And, and, and for those of us who know this struggle, no disability. Or no, no more of that sort of that black dog. You know, no more depression. No more disappointments. No more people engaging in self-destructive behaviour. Trying to destroy themselves or, or their relationships or, or the world that we live in. Why? This future, there is no devil. You take the D out of devil and what do you get? Evil. No evil. No evil, no devil, nothing, no one to tempt people. And so there's no chance of a second fall in this future. That's got to be good news. And that's why we're told there's no longer any sea. In the Bible, the sea represents that place of disorder. God uses water for judgment, like with Noah. Uh, the sea represents chaos and evil. Out of the sea come, come evil beasts. Uh, no more sea, because it's the permanent removal of evil and disorder and death. This symbolic imagery of a new Jerusalem, holy, you know, uh, unstained by sin, um, coming down from heaven, um, uh, prepared by God, beautiful, uh, you know, a husband for a bride, a God dwelling, you know, among His people. As I said, it's a picture of a new heavens and earth where all the D words have been replaced by a lot of R words. A universe recreated. A reality regenerated, renewed, where the redeemed people of God are raised to enjoy rich and, and right relationships with God, with each other and with this new world. Now you get glimpses of how good this future, I think, how good it's going to be with I don't know, just sometimes you have, have a get-together or something happens. I mean, Colin talked about, you know, weddings last week. And, you know, when, the, when you think the time just flies, it's like, whoa, over already. And it's because you're so engrossed in the moment. It's just so good. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, Gita and I were having dinner uh, at uh, MP3 Cafe, Brighton, just the two of us. And, uh, you know, time was flying. It was really good. But um, anyway, there was a table sort of down here, a big table. And uh, women started arriving and they, they sort of hugs and kisses and laughing. They hadn't seen each other for a while and they had, you know, 60th birthday balloons. Uh, and, you know, they all sat down and just and the noise and the laughter and there were two seats spare in the middle of the table. You know, and then around the corner walked uh, two women and one had this real knowing smile, look in her eye. She sort of stood back and the other lady was like, whoa, she just sort of, you know, screamed and, and just was so surprised and happy and and it seemed like, I wasn't sure, but it seemed like there were, there were a number of women at this reunion that she just hadn't seen for a long time. A lot of effort had gone in to, to put on this. And, 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 and of course, the volume just went up and the laughter. And, and I don't know when you're in restaurants or places like that and, you know, you kind of have a, just a sort of a, you know, a nice dinner. You know, and you, your attention just keeps getting drawn over there. The laughter and the fun and then they're having. And it's just, there's something that's just immensely attractive about that isn't it that that reunion that right relating uh, and it's, it's i think it's a glimpse it, it's it's a it's a it's a foretaste of just how good it's going to be in this new heavens and new earth 
but of course just so much better. And so the back end of, of just these opening verses of, of 21, it brings us to our third, do you believe? Uh, so you, do you believe with Jesus' return, a judgment day is coming? Do you believe with Jesus' return, a, f- a future that's just going to be so good is coming? And the third belief is this, do you believe these words of Jesus are trustworthy and true? Verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, back in chapter 19, we've already been told that the one who's speaking is trustworthy and true. Chapter 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. It's exactly the same language. See, we can trust Jesus with our future, with the future of our loved ones, because in time, in place, in history, Jesus himself has irrevocably proved that he is trustworthy and true. He really is from God, the Son of God. He really has won the possibility of no condemnation for those who believe. These words really are trustworthy and true. It's why we read here that he says it is finished. The same words Jesus breathed out with his last breath before he died. It is finished. What is finished? His atoning work on the cross for yours and my sin. There really, really is no condemnation for anyone who will come to Jesus and drink from his wellspring of grace. The risen Jesus promises in verses 6 and 7, To the thirsty I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Imagine that. Coming without cost. How can you come without cost? Well, because Jesus in his death has paid the entry fee for you to come in, for you and I to come and be part of this, this future, this preferred future. Um, just for fun, if you've never tried this, uh, have you ever been sort of not included, not invited to a wedding? You think, oh, gee, I'd like to go to that, you know, or, or the reception, you know, oh, yeah, come to, the, come to the thing and, you know, but we don't have room for you to come to the reception and... Or just try sort of going up and say, look, you know, I know you don't know me, but I'm a really nice person. And in fact, I've got a lot of money. Um, And, you know, I could actually tell you, I mean, I go to church. You know, I do a lot of good things for people. Um, Now, if you don't know them, you don't know the bride and groom, they're not going to invite you. (laughs) Because, see, you don't get in to a wedding banquet, do you, or a wedding reception, based on... What if you're a nice person? But it's if you're connected to them, if you know them, and if they know you. And that's exactly how it's going to work here, which I think is kind of beautiful. Uh, that it's not up to a, a, a resume of good works. It never has been and never will be. By grace, through faith in Jesus, we are saved. How fair is that? Whether you've got a disability or not, young or old, rich or poor, Who cares what your street address is? You you get yourself connected to to the Son. Trust in Him. And you are in. You are in. 
And how, it's just going to be a, a good news day, you know, to, to, to rock up. To rock up and see Jesus. And he sees you. And that, that recognition, that moment of recognition. Ah, yes. Fantastic to see you. Come on in. A couple of takeaways as we finish. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. We're told very clearly again uh, that people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Will you be ready for when your best use before date expires? Will you be ready? Will you be ready for the day Jesus returns, the books are opened, and will he find your name in that book? Uh, Come and it's an invitation, I guess, for any here who haven't done it yet to really just to make sure of it, to come and, and confess your guilt, your sin to Jesus. Come and confess to tell him, please, I want your forgiveness. Uh, I don't know if you picked up again uh, an amazing story. Um, a, a man called Vincent Tarantino, last Sunday, he walked into a Sydney police station and confessed then and there to killing 12-year-old Kuan Diak. 18 years ago. Uh, He was asked, why? And he said, well, I just couldn't bear living with the guilt any longer. I just had to come and confess. And I think these passages are here to say, look, uh, when it comes to God, we're all like Vincent. And if you've been carrying around guilt a weight. You just want to get rid of it. This is the this is the invitation. Come to Jesus. Confess your sin. Receive forgiveness. Know that you will, whatever you've done or not, know that there is no condemnation for those who believe. And if there's that you, you want to do that. Uh, how do I do that? You want to explore? Come and talk to me. Talk to Colin. Uh, talk to Jamie, Tim, one of the other staff. You talk to someone here you know. Um, you might like to do what, what Michael asked to do with me a couple of weeks ago. Please, can we, can we meet up for a few weeks and read through uh, a gospel? So we're reading through the gospel of Luke. He's got questions. And he's just realised, he's a fourth-year law student, he's just realised, I've got to sort this out. I've got to sort it out. But what about for those of us who have come, who are here this morning, we're Christian, we've chosen Christ? Well, what about for us? The judgment day... Well, it's obviously a comfort. It's a comfort. It's not a day we need to be scared of. Uh, but it's, it's an encouragement in that comfort to live humbly, uh, praying to God to help us overflow more and more in thankfulness to God, surely, for his sacrifice. The judgment day is surely a challenge to us as well. Uh, I don't know about you, but in so many things in life, in my relationships, I just find it so easy to become a bit, you know, proud or forgetful or, or complacent and it'd be a shame if, if if you know that was any of us you know in that complacency towards jesus and so i think the challenge is, is to keep helping us help one another to live our lives as worthily as we can for jesus uh, for the sake of one another for the sake of the lost to do whatever we can to be to hear those those beautiful words from jesus you know well done good and faithful servant but thirdly i think that the judgment day surely galvanizes local churches of believers like this it galvanizes and molds us uh, to be a team a team where together um, we we 
you know, we're in the business of making disciples, making disciples to do whatever we can to go out and wake up a sleepy world, a world that is convinced that Jesus is not returning, a world that's convinced that this is all, you know, um, smoke and mirrors. But if these words are trustworthy and true, if Jesus is to believe, this is how the future is going to play out. And I don't know about you, but I'm not about to entrust my future to cryo, but to Christ. You know, just like the pictures that's in the, in the fly here with Shawnee's baptism, and Colin's you know, written so well about it, and it was great, you know, these four women standing around here who've, who've, who've been a team that God used to help understand God's grace, to bring it to this point. And, and that's just four of many people here and who aren't. God delights in using teams of people to make disciples. And I think the call for us is to keep looking to live a higher service, to engage more rather than to disengage, to, to be praying and thinking how God might be able to use your intellect, your gifts, your skills, your time. Um, uh, the, the Vision 27 opportunities, um, you know, so many opportunities. It'd be great to, to get a mainly music going again or, or a midweek ministry, you know, to older people um, or, or, you know, a, a, an ESL sort of ministry. I mean, the, the opportunities, Marion, you know, we've, we've heard it this morning, you know. You go over there with Marion, more is better. <laughs> more is better. She's nodding. Um, or do a Colin Gray, and I'm not talking about his dry wit. Like, seriously, please don't go there. But a Colin, a Colin Gray, you know, he just, he just rocks up down there serving and, you know, gets it. Oh, yeah, Colin rocked in to, to make gingerbread as well on Friday. And you never know where he's going to pop up. Like, a, where's Wally, really? But there you go. Um, Again, as I've said, you know, I think a healthy way to think about the, 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 the resources is, is what does a greater response to God's grace look and sound like for us all? Um, we, we're trying to invite more and more people to our table, um, you know, for meals and stuff like that. But I think we're just reminded at this time of the year, uh, and again with Jen tonight, that simple daily choices God delights in using to bring profound blessings to others. And look, it's only going to be revealed when Jesus returns. You know, the money we give and our service and, and those sorts of things. But just, I mean, just can you imagine? Imagine. Imagine we're there. We're there in heaven. We're seeing Jesus. We're seeing Jesus for the first time. And I mean, and he's just so beautiful, so majestic. We, we, we were just engrossed in Jesus. And suddenly there's these sort of you know, someone's digging us in the ribs in the back. You know, you turn around, what, 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 what's going on? And, and there's this, this stranger there. They so look, hey, look, you don't know me, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm here because of that conversation you had with me at work. Because of that five minutes uh, of compassion you showed me at the water cooler when I was going through a hard time. Uh, that, you know, that your prayers, I'm here because of your prayers. I just wanted to let you know. Someone else says, you know, well, actually, I'm here because of the integrity with which you lived your life. I'm here because of you just always spoke the truth kindly. Another one pokes you in the ribs. Hey, I'm here because of just your witness at uni. Someone else pokes you in the ribs and says, look, I'm here because, you know, of your, your courage at mother's group. You just kept inviting me and saying, you really should check out Jesus. You really should check out Jesus. 
Well, I did, and I'm here. And then one of your kids comes up and says, Dad, I'm here. Because you insisted that, no, church is where we've got to be on a Sunday morning. You kept bringing me to kids' church. And then mum sees someone, one of their kids, Mum, I'm here because you just kept prioritising youth on a Friday night. Or, hey, you know what? I'm here because of the cards you sent, the meals you dropped over, the way you just kept visiting and praying for me. Or maybe you're giving to to support Shana and someone comes and pokes in the room and says, hey, you know what? You don't know me at all because I'm from over in Spain, but I'm here. Because of Shana, the Bible got translated into my language and I read it and I'm here. Friends, it matters. Our daily decisions, they matter. What do we believe? What do we believe? It actually matters. And I thought, what better way to finish than to ask us all to stand, to invite you to declare what it is we believe to one another in the words of this very familiar summary of the Christian faith. Friends, let's say these words together like we really do believe them to be true and trustworthy. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified. Let's pray.